Good Thursday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. Good week of shows um, on Tuesday and Wednesday following the Thanksgiving uh, long weekend for this office and this studio. Dave Fafara on Tuesday, the owner of Shenandoah Joe's Coffee, was just absolutely a fantastic interview. Dave and I have many um, similarities, in particular high energy and uh, zest for life. I enjoyed hearing the flip book or the evolution of the toy lift from Tom Powell to uh, Tom Powell launching the toy lift um, to what Dave and his team are doing now. Um, and yesterday's show with Stephen, Stephen Bernard I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah. A winemaker, um, an ambassador, a visionary, um, and the Monticello Wine Trail in this region, I mean the, the Central Virginia region, earning um, global status, uh, status that the region, um, winemakers and, and farmers and vineyard owners and winery owners and the staff that make up this very tight-knit community, they're embracing the recognition, but they're not resting on their laurels. And I think that was something that was clearly taken from yesterday's show. A lot we're going to cover today. It's Judah Wickhauer and I on the Thursday edition of the program. We'll talk uh, teacher sick out versus teacher strike and why that distinction of a sick out is so very important. We'll talk on today's show, Charlottesville High School heading in the right direction, and I believe it is. I'm going to take a look at this from a glasses half full standpoint when it comes to the only high school in Charlottesville, Virginia, Charlottesville City. Pending home sales, guys, um, the data is out. Pending home sales, which are a, a measure of signed contracts on existing homes, dropped 1.5% in October from September. The National Association of Realtors, they began tracking this metric in 2001. It's the lowest level since NAR starting tracking this data uh, in 2001. This is a national, uh, national metric, but it's no secret um, that volume is, is down, 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 and demand is still there. So as volume drops and as demand is still there, you're seeing values uh, hold, hold is good, and uptick, uh, depending on where you're at. You're seeing cash deals very um, present and prolific in the market. About a third of transactions we hear and we learn from Real Talk and Keith Smith are cash deals. So we'll unpack this for you um, and take a look at what could be coming following the holidays. I also want to talk on today's show, the Tesla sales office, Sean Tubbs has this in his publication. Sean Tubbs does a great job. Please someone let Sean Tubbs know that I'm giving him some props on the I Love Seville show today. A potential Tesla sales office coming to the shops at Stonefield. We'll talk about what Sean reported through his community engagement substack. And I'll ask this question of any location in Albemarle or Charlottesville. And I would imagine a sales office for Tesla would have to be in the jurisdictions Albemarle or Charlottesville specifically. Of any location in those two um, jurisdictions, where would a Tesla sales office best be suited? That topic on today's show. 
Also on the program, I want to highlight the Virginia basketball victory from last night, a top 15 victory for Tony Bennett's boys. And how about an entrepreneur pursuing a food and beverage delivery service? This was tried during the pandemic by a um, friend of the program, Andre Xavier, his business partner, John Craig, with their vehicles, their fleet, uh, I should say, of Seville hop-on-tour buses. But is the timing now ripe since we are starting to either stabilize or find spending and social habits post-pandemic? Is the timing now better suited for a food and beverage localized delivery service helmed by someone within the community that can offer better margin to the restaurants than what third-party entities like Grubhub and, and, and Uber Eats are, are, are currently offering. All those topics and more on the Thursday edition of the program. We work hard for you. If you could do us a favor, please give the show a like or a share or a retweet. Anywhere you're watching the program, like and share the show. Bill McChesney, welcome to the program. Um, he's saying the game was a buzzy beater, which is a reference to the Texas A&M head coach that lost last night. I was frankly appalled when uh, the Texas A&M head coach came onto the floor late in the game. He made it seem like he was looking after one of his players who seemed to injure his shoulder, but a head coach literally coming onto the floor and stopping a fast break. Wow. Um, Philip Dow in Scottsville, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. We'll go to the two-shot. We'll welcome Judah Wickhauer, who many folks have said is very much blossom on the show and on this network. Um, the first topic is a topic that you found um, curious or one that you wanted to cover. Mr. DL, welcome to the program on Twitter. Ginny Hu, thank you for the retweet. We appreciate you quite a bit. Ginny Hu, Mr. DL on Twitter, we appreciate you as well. Um, let us know your thoughts and perspective on some of these topics. Judah, why don't you set the stage for topic number one, my friend? Well, as we all know, the teachers had a sick out on uh, the Friday leading into the Thanksgiving uh, week, and uh, I think we all support them. I think they... Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100% support the teachers. Go ahead. They were, they were in, I think, an untenable situation 100%. Where, where something had to be done and i think uh i think we all appreciate what uh, uh what the new interim principal uh has done by sending some of the kids home and friend of the program kenny leatherwood have known him for almost 20 years yeah and i think uh overall that's a that's a good direction uh i was interested to find out that uh virginia law prohibits public employees from going on strike uh, and this has been around since uh, since 1946. You want to cite uh, cite some sources and then offer some language, and then we could throw some commentary out there. John Blair, welcome to the program. Yeah, there's a good article on this in the uh, Virginia Mercury. And um, if you just want to read a couple of paragraphs from there, I'm down with that as well. Yeah. Um, today. State law continues to prohibit public employees from striking and makes them ineligible to work in any public position for up to a year if they do so, uh, which seems a little harsh. Um, 
We know Especially when there's a shortage. Yeah. And we know the teachers have been pushing for, uh, for, um, for more rights. Um, it goes on to say later in the article that whether the Charlottesville call-out would be considered a strike under state law remains uncertain. But I think we're... Uh, I think we can all be certain that this school certainly doesn't want it to be called a strike uh, because obviously what would they do if they had to fire a large portion of their teachers? Oh, and, and, and Ginny Hu watching the program, very familiar with the law, she says. She says it's why the teachers have been so careful in their language. Strikes are illegal for all public employees in Virginia. Thank yeah. you, Ginny Hu, for watching the program on Twitter. I would say this, that not only... And, and we back the teachers on this program, yeah. first and foremost, just like we back the blue on this program. We back firefighters on this program. We back um, frontline workers, nurses, medics, EMTs. I mean, these are folks that are critical to uh, society safety and having Charlottesville be the place we want to live in. And they have an incredibly difficult job. Not only just in, you know, it's, it's not just teaching kids. It's also, they may be emotional uh, support for kids that don't have that at home. Uh, they, I don't know, I don't know all the details about, uh, about Charlottesville High School in particular, but I know a lot of teachers have to buy their own supplies. Uh, and they're very, they're given very little leeway in terms of, uh, in terms of time off. Um, so... Mad props to the teachers out there and uh, and the job they're doing in trying to uh, you know trying to raise trying to raise a lot of people's kids for them. Jason Howard, Ryo Road, watching the program. Jason, I'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. If you want to put that lower third on screen, that would be very much appreciated. Logan Wells, Claylo, thank you for watching the program. Judah, I would make the uh, I'm going to make a very um, you know straightforward statement. It's not just the teachers that want to clearly thread this needle of sick out versus strike. It's the superintendent's office. It's the principals. It's anyone tied to the high school. It's anyone yeah. tied to the school system. It's, any, it's the parents. Yeah. Because we have a shortage. Right. If this needle wasn't threaded you know, correctly and strategically, you would have had less experts or professionals in the classroom guiding and teaching students. And that's damning for the next generation, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. So we, we clearly say, uh, and, and, and that's why it was a sick out and not a strike. We see this with the police, with, with police departments, where it's been called a blue flu, yeah. where officers um, at the same time get the air quotes, quote unquote, uh, flu um, and aren't showing up for work. So it's important to emphasize that. I found it also fascinating because I think the sick out strategy clearly made a statement. The following days, the reset, the reset came from the superintendent's office. Yeah. On the Monday and Tuesday following, the Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving, the Monday and Tuesday following the sick out, it was the superintendent that said, and his office that said no um, students at school on Monday and Tuesday. And that one day of sick out, 
the collective effort of being sick at the one same time created uh, a, a domino of positive effects. Mm -hmm. You had Kenny Leatherwood brought into the mix, a principal's teacher. Kenny Leatherwood brought into the mix a experienced leader mm -hmm. who on the first day of having students back this past Monday straight up wrote a letter to the community and said... Uh, I mean, there was a, <laughs> and you can paraphrase. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff in there. He he said that uh, <clears throat> he said that we need the support of the community. We need uh, to continue doing what they did with. Uh, I think it was around 40, uh, 40 community com community members showed up on Monday to to greet the students. Dr. West Bellamy was there. Yeah. Bellamy Brown was there. Mm -hmm. Mayor Lloyd Snook was there, just to name a few. Yeah. He said it would be uh, advantageous to have, uh, to have volunteers continue doing that, I think, as a show of support for the students who are there to learn. And uh, he, he hammered home the point that, uh, that students at school should be there to learn. And they should be on time and ready to go. And um, he, uh, he had... There were actually, I believe, three, three points to succeeding in school. I don't remember exactly what they were, but the first one was be here and be ready to learn. And to, uh, uh, to back that point up, he sent some students home. If they weren't ready, they're going home. And hopefully that will light a fire under their parents' tuchuses and get them, uh, you know, when nothing was being done with those students, why would you expect the parents to... Maybe they didn't even know about it. Uh, but now, I think they certainly uh, do. I hope it's not the parents didn't know about it. I mean, how... God, I hope the parents... If the school is not... If the school is not doing anything about those students, I don't see any reason why they would be telling the parents. How much of the thought process in the superintendent's office or amongst the Charlottesville School Board was we are not going to suspend or expel these students, these 30 to 50 that are raising a ruckus, for fear of lawsuit from an activist attorney. I, I don't know, but there, uh, I, think, I think it's a problem across America. Oh, it's I, not unique to Charlottesville. 100%. I've heard other stories, um, read stories from teachers saying that uh, they're, oftentimes the teachers are... Uh, the teachers are reprimanded for attempting to do anything about uh, unruly students. Andrew Shelton, welcome to the program. Thanks for watching the program, um, Andrew Shelton. We certainly very much appreciate you. Um, give the show a like and a share anywhere you are watching. We'll highlight Lauren Keswick, Kelly Jackson, Eric Nelson, Adam Sylvester, Christy uh, Lynn, just to name a few, Betsy Nugent. Welcome to the program. Love when you watch Betsy. Vanessa Parkhill, the Queen of Earliesville. Holly Foster and Henrico. Hello, Holly. Thank you kindly for watching the program. Juan Sarmiento, thank you kindly for watching the program. Kelly Jackson says, sending some kids home is a great start. Let's say if they keep it up. I mean, I think, I, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Um, I would imagine there is some trepidation concern or fear of expelling students that are troublemakers, like completely expelling. I'm not just talking suspension, but expulsion. Right. For fear 
of legal retribution from the many activist attorneys within the community. I don't even know if it's so much legal retribution as it is... PR uh, nightmare? Well, I All think, the above? Yeah, maybe a little all of the, of the above, but I think, uh, I think there's a problem in schools today where the, um, it's, a matter of, it's a matter of numbers. Um, schools don't want the, they don't want to, they don't want their graduation rate to go down. That's definitely one of the factors. And the problem with that is what do you do when you have kids that terrorize a school? If you're evidently you do nothing. If you're afraid yourself of of having your, you know, having your numbers go down, of having your numbers look bad. I mean, I it just seems insane to I think most of us, but uh, if you want to keep those numbers up, sometimes I guess that means just ignoring a problem. I, I'll highlight this. Ah, Ginny Hu. Ginny Hu is commenting on this at the same time Deep Throat is sending a DM about this. Ginny Hu says, Nakaya Walker chimed in and certainly seemed to encourage legal action. I was going to get to that. Deep Throat, I was going to get to that as well. Let me respond to Ginny Hu first. I will mention this on air. I'm going to read to you what Nakaya Walker um, posted on Facebook and then syndicated to um, Twitter in a matter of less than one minute. Deep Throat says this with a DM, and perhaps you can go to her Twitter account, J-Dubs, on Twitter. Uh, it's at Nakaya Walker CC. And it's the second post down. It's this one. It looks like this. All right. And take a screen grab and put it on screen. We'll highlight what the former mayor wrote and published on social media very quickly, very, in, in a matter of seconds. Deep Throat says it's very difficult for poor Mr. Leatherwood to send kids home if you have the likes of Nakia Walker essentially offering to help the families of those disruptive students sue the school systems. He, wow. Deep, Deep Throat also says this, the activists in this town can be destructive. Deep Throat adds this, on the other hand, several friends around the country texted me to ask about the stories they saw about little old Charlottesville High School. This is probably going to do more to prevent housing price appreciation in the city than the draft zoning ordinance. He's basically saying this narrative, Deep Throat is saying this, Deep Throat's a top five viewer and listener in this family. He's saying the narrative or the growing stigma, he says, around the school system, the high school, will this create home value flat lines or, or impact values or create affordability because people want to purchase homes in neighborhoods that feed into strong school systems. I'll counter that argument in a matter of moments. First, I want uh, to read what Nakia Walker has. Do you have that screenshot? Uh, just about. Fantastic. I would, um, also, I would also have a counter for that argument. I, my counter to that argument is, while the stigma, <laughs> and that stigma is being fixed, I think starting with Mr. Leatherwood and starting um, with sending the troubled kids home, right? They're fixing the stigma and fixing the problems. You got a principal that is not afraid to send kids home, literally 
sending kids home and standing by teachers. Yeah. I also will make this argument that we have such limited inventory and such a high level of wealth within Charlottesville that even if it's only high school was having academic and quality of life difficulty, it would not impact housing values because the wealth is so great and the inventory is so limited that folks would, would pivot and go the private or homeschooling routes. That was exactly what I was thinking, that uh, with the prices of homes these days, somebody moving into Charlottesville is probably not looking to send their kid to CHS anyways. Right, right. Which could speak to what I've said in the past, the gentrification of education in the community. Now, I'm going to get to Nakaya's, uh, the former mayor's um, statement from three days ago. Do you have that on screen? Uh, I will in two seconds. Judah's going to put it on screen, and I'll read verbatim from it. Kelly Jackson, we'll get to your comments. What's up? Um, Holly Foster, Philip Dow, we'll get to your comments. A couple of states watching the program right now on the I Love Seville show. This is from Nakaya Walker. It's on screen right now. She posted this on Facebook, then syndicated it to Twitter. Facebook, please share this with the parents of the 30 to 50 youth. She means the 30 to 50 youth from Charlottesville High School that were causing the trouble. Parents, please do not meet with Charlottesville City Schools by yourself. Nakaya Walker writes, I have a team of people who will make sure your child is treated fairly and advocate for your child's education. Nakaya Walker says, will someone inbox me and let me know if the adult who entered the side door was 18 years old or if it was a parent? I've heard several different accounts. She also writes, if your child has been suspended or facing other disciplinary actions, Please inbox me so I can talk with you to figure out how to help. She concludes by saying this. If your child is being sent to night school or any other alternative educational option, please inbox me your information so I can partner with you to figure out a plan to ensure your child receives an education that will enhance their future. <coughs> That's something we need to unpack. I'll start with you. Did you read the statement, Judah? Yeah. Where do you want to begin with that? Um, I, I mean, at first glance, I think it sounds, I think it sounds, uh, pretty good. I mean, I, maybe you've got a, a different view, but it sounds like she wants to help out and I've got no problem with that. And I don't know anything about night school, so I'll, that's something I'll have to look into. But, um, you know, I, all the, all the students at the school deserve, you know, deserve, uh, an education and and a chance, like she says, to uh, enhance their future. Uh, but something definitely needed to be done about students that weren't uh, that weren't engaging. Kelly Jackson says graduation numbers are BS anyway because they don't fail anyone, and you can retake tests and quizzes and turn in homework anytime you want. I require my daughter to have all A's because there isn't an excuse not to. From KJ, KJ. I mentioned this live on air. KJ, anytime you want to come on the show, let me know. Mi casa es su casa, amiga. Um, Holly Foster and Henrico. Ginny Hu, what did you make of uh, Nakaya Walker's statement? Holly Foster says this. I wish the Sisters of Mercy could come to Charlottesville High School and do some discipline, but I guess smacking students with a metal ruler or an eraser from the chalkboard would be politically incorrect in today's world. Back in the 50s and 60s, the nuns ruled. 
I will say, in the 80s and 90s, the nuns ruled as well. I got smacked with many a ruler and many a yardstick, um, amongst other things. I didn't get, uh, I didn't have nuns, but uh, I did go to a school where I got swatted a few times, uh, sometimes for pretty absurd things, but... Uh, you strike me as someone that was always well-behaved. I was not. You were not always well-behaved? Although, in this case, uh, or at least one of the cases, it was, we were, we had folded up pieces of paper that were pretend handles of swords, and we were fake sword fighting on the, uh, on the, in the schoolyard and got, <clears throat> got held back after, uh, after recess to get spanked. Bill McChesney says this to Deep Throat. Bill McChesney is commenting on Facebook to Deep Throat on Twitter. He says the whole neighborhood around Charlottesville High School was set as medium density in the flim flam flum. And there were three homes in the Foxbrook neighborhood prior to the sick out that each sold for over $1 million. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. He's of the impression, which you and I are, Deep Throat, chime in, that the educational struggles will not breed affordability with housing or flat, flatten uh, price points of houses within city limits. Janice Boyce Trevilian watching the program. She says a lot of kids have learning plans or IEPs and cannot be expelled. They are kids with learning disabilities. That's from Janice Boyce Trevilian watching the program. You take Nakaya's... Are, are those the same students, though, that are wandering the halls? So that's a question that you have for Janice Boyce Trevelyan. Ask, ask Ms. Trevelyan that question. Um, the students that are in the individualized education program, is there any likelihood that those are the same students that are wandering the halls uh, causing mayhem? Jason Howard on Rio Road... Um, I'll get to your comment. Kelly says, I think you could read her statement in, in a wanting to help the kid way or helping way to threaten the school. I got this on, from Deep Throat. He says, where was uh, the former mayor when 95% of the students were left unable or at least less able to learn? He does not think her intent is authentic or legit. And he says if she cared, she would have worked to help the 95% when they were not learning in a quality of life setting like they should be. Um, that's, I think that's kind of a fair assessment. But at the same time, I think this uh, kind of crept on, up on us fairly quickly. It was, what, a week or two where we were hearing about the... Uh, um, the fight in the library and I don't the think fight this hopped. I, I I don't mean to interject here. I, I'm working on this, but it is a talk show. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think this surprised us. I don't think this came upon us quickly. We've been for most of this semester been hearing rumblings, seeing rumblings, been told rumblings, DM rumblings, EM rumblings of of brouhaha's and brawls and melees at Charlottesville High School. Teachers being injured. Um, you know. Don't mean to interrupt. No, that's fair too. Um, Dylan's Rule watching the program on Twitter. He says, you boys are 30 minutes in and you guys are killing it today. Thank you, Dylan's Rule. Thank you. Ginny Hu says, what I immediately took from the Nakia Walker statement is she wants to make it into yet another social issue to cause strife and further separation of the Charlottesville community. Thoughts on that, Judah? I mean, it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, it's... 
I think her statement is just vague enough that it could be taken a couple different ways. And it's tough to interpret or extrapolate context from a statement on social yeah. without assuming. Right. But I, I don't know. The, uh, the final, the third point, I'm, I'm choosing to, uh, to take it in a context of, of wanting to help. And she talks about uh, partnering to figure out a plan to ensure uh, children receive an education that will enhance their future, and um, and I think that's I think that's a good goal, and I have no problem with that, and I'm and I'm going to take her on the uh, on the better side of things, and until I learn otherwise. Philip Dow has this comment from Scottsville. What about the kids that have drug-addicted or alcoholic parents that do not care? I'm sure most of the troublemaker kids are part of this group. The problem is at home. That's what Philip Dow says. I think, um, is. I think the problem is definitely at home. Jason Howard, I'll get to your comment on the local delivery service. I'm hearing this more and more from restaurant owners in this community. We'll pass along what they've been saying. So the story continues to have many layers to the onion and continues to be a dynamic, dynamic talking point. Bill McChesney says in the 90s, there was an English teacher in the city system that had a very accurate eraser throw. <laughs> and he says that Walker is an epic problem. He's talking about the school. Actually, he's in that scenario, I think he's actually talking about probably the former mayor. Um, we're gonna do this. Nakia Walker, if you're watching the program, or you hear of the program, She's, over the past couple of weeks, offered Facebook posts about yours truly, Micaiah Walker has. Um, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, Mayor Walker. Both Judah and I will give you the benefit of the doubt that your intent with your statement was one of empathy. Gen genuine concern. Authenticity, genuine concern, and looking to contribute or help versus the opposite of divisiveness or leveraging, utilizing a social issue to divide. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt here. Um, students that are suspended and or expelled need advocates. And perhaps her advocacy is coming from a place of genuine um, uh, a desire to, uh, to see those students succeed. There you go. Okay, the benefit of the doubt will be offered right there to the former mayor of Charlottesville. I see why some folks that are watching the program, John Blair, we'll get to your comment here in a 30 seconds, um, interpreted the language as lightning rod motivated because of past, past precedent. John Blair on LinkedIn, Jerry, while there isn't a state law definition of strike, the Federal Labor Management Relations Act of 1947 defines a strike as the term strike includes any strike or other concerted stoppage of work by employees, including a stoppage by reason of the expiration of a collective bargaining agreement and any concerted slowdown or other concerted interruption of operations by employees. I've also read that, uh, that a strike would be, you know, a strike is categorized as a, uh, a refusal to work, 
And I don't think we really saw that here. They were using, I believe they were using, uh, you know, sick time or uh, paid time off. So, you know, technically it was, you know, a lot of teachers using, using sick days. And, and, and it would be very difficult to prove otherwise that a bunch of people got sick at one time. You'd probably have to prove collusion between a majority of the, of the teachers. And how you would probably prove that is paper trail. Paper trail, documented trail, text thread, email thread. And I don't think that was, um, I you'd don't have think to try, that. You'd have to try very hard to find that and use it against the teachers. And I don't think anybody would want that. Exactly. The and that's the point. I don't yeah. think anyone wants to go through the effort of proving that. Yeah. Because we already have a shortage. Yeah. And those that would go through the effort of proving that already know there's major problems there. Yeah. And these teachers clearly aren't. They're clearly uh, doing everything they can to, to make the school better, to, uh, to be there for the students. And I think this is necessary. And um, there's no reason anyone would want to go after them. Uh, Janice Boyce Trevilian responds to your question. Okay. And she mentions um, IEPs. Give me the acronym definition. Uh, it is Individualized Education Program. She says a lot of kids with learning plans or individualized educational learning plans. Individualized Education Program. Programs, thank you. Cannot be expelled. They are kids with learning disabilities. Janice Boyce Trevilian also says, yes, many have assistants that are required to be with them, and those positions are not filled. They tend to wander the hallways, and if you have ADHD and can't and don't sit in class, this could be some of the folks that are wandering the hallways, she says. Hmm. Interesting. Janice, thank you for that comment right there. It's, so, a shame. it's a shame that the school doesn't have the... Uh... Oh, they're understaffed. Yeah. So before we go to the uh, next topic, um, we'll dot the I's and cross the T's on this. And hopefully be able to put this potentially behind us. Leatherwood's going to come in and, you know, in sports, you hear the saying, he's a, he's a player's coach. What a player's coach is, is a skipper or a manager that um, has the back of the, the players, the athletes. Um, he's a player's coach. Mm -hmm. Principal Leatherwood is a teacher's principal. He's got the back of the teachers. Yeah, definitely. He was a teacher for quite a while, and I believe he retired in 2012. Boys basketball coach, and championship boys basketball coach. And in the uh, intervening years has been an interim principal, I think, at a bunch of other schools. Jason Howard on Rio Road. From what I've read, the city pension system has some portability with the VRS. Maybe administration took stronger action now because the first step for many might be a sick out. The second step might be interviewing other school districts in the area. Uh, you've already highlighted few teachers can afford to live in the city. An outlying county would likely be a shorter commute for similar pay. We're seeing that with police officers. Yeah. Um, strong comment, Jason. I think we're turning a corner. And how the corner is turned permanently is by removing the bad apples from the barrel. Or showing them the path to... Uh... When does it become you can't teach an old dog new tricks, though? 
Yeah, but I don't think anybody wants to give up on those students. No, but night school is not giving up on the students. <coughs> K-Tech is not giving up on the students. Maybe a topic that's being not highlighted enough is the, the crumbling of K-Tech. Hmm. K-Tech does not have the staff in place to educate the students at this technical and trade school. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe we should be discussing, like, like not everyone's made to be an academic or learn in a classroom or, or, or excited or open-minded to, to be book smart and learned and head mm -hmm. to a four-year college or a two-year college. Some folks may want to start earning money right away. But the technical school, the trade school, doesn't have the staff to get the next generation of tradesmen or tradeswomen uh, skilled or experienced to start earning money in the marketplace. Do we know why that is? Do we know what the problem is at KTAC? Is it just uh, a lack of good pay? It... I mean, we see folks choosing to prioritize being an influencer over making six figures as a master plumber or as a master electrician. But that would, that would be a problem in the other direction of not having enough students there. Uh, I'm just curious what, uh, why we're, why we if don't you're have a, If you're an educator there. and you are a master plumber <clears throat> or a master electrician, would you not pursue the income that you could get from being a master plumber or a master electrician versus the income you could get, which is substantially less for educating the next generations of master plumbers and master electricians to basically compete directly with yourself? Uh, possibly. I mean, it's, you know, it kind of goes to the, uh, the old adage, uh, those who can do and those who can't teach. But um, has K-Tech ever had this problem in the past? It certainly amplified or magnified. Deep Throat says, the one that makes me feel queasy is, don't meet with CHS alone, the statement from Nakia Walker. He says, what does that tell you about how much she supports Mr. Leatherwood? He also says, that comment establishes a context of oppositional conflict from Deep Throat. Yeah. Um, good comments from everybody here. Ginny Hu says, this did not creep up. Some of the problems have existed before 2020 and were never dealt with then. After teaching children that their education wasn't a priority in 2020, 2021, those problems have more, uh, those problems and more have increased 1,000 fold. Hmm. All right, um, 115, I want to go to the next topic on the Thursday edition of the I Love Seville show. This from the National Association of Realtors. I'll read a few, a few paragraphs. And then Judah, we'll pick this apart. Viewers and listeners will pick this apart as well. Um, pending home sales, a measure of signed contracts on existing homes dropped 1.5% in October from September. They hit the lowest level since the National Association of Realtors began tracking this metric in 2021, meaning it's even worse than readings during the financial crisis more than a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Sales were down 8.5% from October of last year. Because the index measures signed contracts, it is the most recent indicator of housing demand. It reflects the buyers who were out shopping in October 
which was when the popular 30-year fixed mortgage rate briefly shot over 8%. Rates have since pulled back to around 7.3%, according to Mortgage News Daily. The realtors continue to say it's not just high rates, but still very low supply of homes for sale that is deflating activity. I will say this. The reason homes are not selling, the reason why we don't have volume of sales is not, number one, because of the interest rate environment we're in. The reason we don't have high volumes of sales, the number one reason, is because the two and a half, three and a half percent, anything under four, four or under, I will even throw, I'll even say 5% and under is an asset. Yeah. It is an asset. The 5% or under 30-year fixed mortgage is now an asset. And it's the type of asset that you are hesitant to give up, like gold, mm -hmm. Apple stock you purchased 25 years ago, the family heirloom, the photo album with your most special memories. You may never get that photo album with your most special memories again or recover it if it's burned in a fire. You may never get grandma's, you know, go, the, the jewelry that grandma used to wear or great grandma used to wear that's passed down from generation to gener generation or great grandpa, great grandpappy's uh, watch that's passed down to generation to generation. It's got value that you cannot recreate or find again. That's what those interest rates have. Mm -hmm. The people that have the interest rates 5% or below, and that is, what, 85, 90% of American homeowners? 5% or below? That type of rate, we, not, we may not see for some of us in our lifetime again. So that's the number one reason we are seeing volumes of sales struggle. Yeah. Limp. Peter. Just meander. Yeah. The, inf the interest rate is kind of like a reverse, uh, um, a reverse investment in terms of, uh, you know, say I've seen, I've seen questions about, you know, someone asking, you know, I've got uh, so much, uh, I've got and so much. we need much, to change the lower third too. Go ahead though. I've got so much, uh, do I? No, you, you put it up, the, the new one? Pending. The yeah. pending one? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. My apologies. Uh, I've seen people ask questions about, you know, I've got so much money that I owe on a credit card, uh, where should I invest my money? And the answer is, don't invest your money, pay off the credit card because it's a matter of what your rate is. If, the, if you were going to invest your money and make 5%, it would be more advantageous to just pay off the credit card where, you've, where you're paying 20%. Um, and so I think this is kind of the same case where uh, somebody paying, a, like you said, 5% or less, um, that's almost, uh, that's, it's like an investment. Because if you were to get a new house, you would be paying a lot more. And so, and so you're basically, in today's, in today's 
economic climate where inflation is killing us, if the any way you can find to hold on to as much as your money as possible is is a good deal. Judah Wickhauer dropping dimes today on the Thursday edition of the I Love Seville show. Um, that's why Zillow, Zillow did a survey and they said that until that rate drops to like the mid fives, folks are going to be very unwilling to get off the fence to list their sub five yeah. mortgage rate and the house that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the folks that are in the business highlight death, divorces, yeah. uh, job loss, right. and moving mm -hmm. as reason that inventory will pick up. But that is the minority of potential uh, volume and uh, inventory, smaller percentage. You're a, you've been a big proponent of, of seller financing, correct? I've done a lot of seller finance deals. How, I wonder, I wonder if people Try need to do a seller finance deal, frankly, if I'm speaking very straightforwardly. Uh, my wife's watching the program now. Try to do a seller finance deal within the last, uh, what is it, sweetheart? Say the last 10 days. I, I wonder if more people knew about those and how they work, if that might help uh, clear some blockage, so to speak, in the, uh, the log jam of the housing industry. Would that be a way to provide, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you the know. The dynamics of the seller finance deal are challenging because the seller who's willing to carry the paper is going to have, must have a balance that's remaining on their current loan right. that can be covered by the down payment from the buyer. So the buyer's got to give a sizable non-refundable down payment, and that's got to be enough to cover whatever remaining balance is left. And a lot of times the remaining balance is so sizable that the, the buyer yeah. can't afford the down payment. Right. There are homes out there where the remaining balance of the loan is uh, manageable and can be covered by a down payment, or there are homes that don't have any uh, money owed at all. Yeah. The owner owns them free and clear. Mm -hmm. That's where the seller finance deal works well. But often sellers will take and by often, I mean a large portion will take less money yeah. to ensure they get it all up front. Mm -hmm. Because the seller finance parameters and, and, and who, you know, who is the number one demographic that doesn't like the seller finance parameters? Banks. The money folks. Yeah. Mortgage folks, the money people. Right. Because the seller finance scenario does not include them. Right still includes the realtors. The realtors can yeah. get their commission from the down payment. Mm -hmm. Still includes the home inspector. Yeah. May include the appraiser. Yeah. Often very well could include the appraiser, mm -hmm. but does not include the lender. Right. So there is a bit of stigma associated with this lending environment because it's not the traditional way of doing it. Yeah. But in today's economic climate, the traditional way of doing things, I'm not saying it's yesteryear, right. but it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's vulnerable. And if you put a seller finance deal together where the upfront payment, non-refundable, every monthly payment made, non-refundable, 
if default should happen, the seller takes the house and can sell it again to somebody yeah. else while keeping the bags of money that have already been given to him or her. Right. And then you associate an interest rate with the seller finance parameters. Maybe that rate is at market value. Actually, it would not be at market value because that wouldn't make sense to the buyer. Maybe it's a couple of points, two, three points below market value. The seller is still getting more ROI and profit through the rate. You just make the term manageable, five years. Hmm. So the seller says, okay, I can get all this money up front and I get the rest of my money within 60 months and all these monthly payments are non-refundable and then I'm gonna make some juice on this interest rate. If it's presented right, it's often a win-win-win-win scenario. Win yeah. for the buyer, win for the seller, hmm. win for the realtor, puts the home inspector into, into action, can get an appraiser into action, can get the moving companies into action, mm -hmm. can get the remodeling companies into action. Yeah. But it's only one, only one entity in this that doesn't get into action, it's the lender. Mm -hmm. Deep Throat says market, because of the prepayability of mortgages, doesn't price mortgages as having 30-year final maturity. But if you have a 3% mortgage, today the value of it as an asset, i.e. how far below par it would trade, would, would be like 20% of the principal balance. That's good stuff from Deep Throat mm -hmm. right there. That's good stuff from that man. Um, Zillow says that we're not going to see volume activity, home sales, until those rates start getting into the fives. Yeah. And then once they start getting into the fives, then people are going to say, like, I'm sitting on a lot of equity. Let me take advantage of this equity, even if that means I'm trading an interest rate that could be potentially close to 2x more costly. But they may also see that uh, with, rates, <clears throat> with rates going down, uh, there may be a chance in the future for them to go down further and refinance to uh, bring them st still closer to where they were to begin with. John Blair says, you are 100% correct. If you have a sub 5% mortgage right now, you are literally lighting money on fire by putting your house on the market. It's becoming clearer and clearer. American wealth is now pre-post 2021 for 95% of the country, John says. If you got a fixed rate mortgage or a on a detached single family home, you won. If not, the losers are only going to mount, mount from here. Builders aren't going to reduce prices. There's still enough demand for them. He's right. Yeah. And John, you were the uh, first to call this. JB was. He was the first to call this during the pandemic, at least with this network. He said this very early on when rates were in the threes. He said, this is what's going to happen. And his crystal ball was very accurate. John's crystal ball. Jason Howard says Green County has trades program in their high school system. He met a gentleman who runs it the other day. If you choose, you can finish 12th grade certified and job ready to work in HVAC or electrical, electrical work or many other trades in Green County. If schools choose to spend the money, they can make it happen. Maybe that's a priority that the schools have to start. I mean, how do you potentially close the wealth gap within Charlottesville City? Maybe it's emphasizing the trades some more, as opposed to de-emphasizing it. Trades jobs that can pay six figures. And Once you gain some experience and some savvy. And they'll always be, be needed. Right. There's never going to be a time when 
the electricity are no longer necessary. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville, K-Tech should not be viewed as a punishment, nor should it be implied those students are there because they can't hack academics. Well said. Definitely. She also says, Principal Leatherwood not only has the back of teachers, but also the overwhelming majority of students who just want to come to school to learn, socialize, and participate in activities. VP Vanessa Parkhill, Queen mm -hmm. of Earliesville, you on point per usual. Thank you. Thank you kindly. Um, all right. A couple of more topics that I want to get to today. Um, there is a, Sean Tubbs talks about this in his Charlottesville community substack. Stonefield, the developer, the company that owns and manages the Stonefield mixed-use development in Almora County, this is according to Sean Tubbs, is seeking an amendment to the existing zoning in order to allow for an electrical car company to run an operation there. Roger Voisinet basically broke this news on the I Love Seville show a couple of months ago. Roger Voisinet, the Remax realtor, had the second Tesla in Charlottesville area history. Roger Voisinet did. And he's gonna be coming on the network in December, I believe. Yeah. The hockey aficionado, the solar aficionado, the woolen mills aficionado, the Charlottesville community aficionado, the second Tesla in Charlottesville area history, Roger Voisinet talked about a Tesla sales center coming to this area months ago, breaking that news on this network. Well, now we know the Stonefield uh, mixed-use development is seeking an amendment to the, its existing zoning in order to allow for an electric car company, Tesla, to run an operation there. Staff in Almoral County revealed that at a pre-application conference that a special use permit would be required for that to occur, as well as a second special use permit for outdoor display. Oh, good night. Good mm -hmm. Lord. Here's the question I'm going to ask you. This would be in the old Pier 1 building. Yeah. A Tesla sales office at the former Pier 1 building this is the question I have for you. Of any location in Albemarle County or the city of Charlottesville, where would a Tesla sales office best fit? And is it right there? You want me to jump in and go first? I think, uh, I mean, in terms, of, in terms of Stonefield, I think this is a smart pivot. I think this is brilliant from Stonefield. Yeah. This is brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know much about Tesla dealerships. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think if they had, uh, I think if they had displays of their cars, uh, they wouldn't necessarily need the giant lot, lot that you find in, you know, with most dealerships. Uh, if, they're, if people are just ordering cars to, that end up being delivered there or to them, then they could potentially just have, you know, like, I don't know, how many uh, models are there? Six, eight Tesla models. They could have them parked out front, um, maybe a couple extras in different colors. And, uh, and I think it could work very well there. I think you're uh, on point. I think the socioeconomic status of Tesla owners fits very complementary with the socioeconomic status of what Stonefield wants with its customer base. No doubt. Stonefield, 
the shops there, they ain't cheap. The Tesla, that ain't cheap. Mm -hmm. If you can have a Tesla sales office right next to luxury brands, you'll have spillover effect. Yeah. Furthermore, you're taking a retailer that sells widgets on shelves and you converting it to essentially a vehicle sales office that has more in-person shelf life than a retailer that sells widgets on shelves. Yeah. The Pier 1 concept has a much more likelihood of being cannibalized by the internet and an e-commerce store than folks buying vehicles through Carvana or CarMax strictly online. Mm -hmm. There's a reason CarMax has a dealership on Pantops because people want to touch and test drive and feel the cars before making a 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000, 100,000 dollar purchase. Yeah. They don't need to, what does Pier 1 sell? Uh, pillows and <coughs> towels and bathrobes. Uh, who's my wife? What does Pier 1 sell? Kitchen, kitchen, uh, bathroom, yeah. household. I, I don't do any shopping. Blenders. She, she, does, she does the shopping. What, what, what are, candles, scented candles. Yeah. Quilts, bar sets, bedroom sets. Yeah. Does, does, does Pier 1 sell Yeezys? I don't know what that is. You don't know what the Yeezys are? The shoes. I Does do Pier 1 sell uh, bazooka gum? Six packs of IPAs? I don't Italian so. meats? Gouda cheese? Steak? Cigars? Top shelf bourbon? I don't think they sell any of that. I don't think they sell any. I wish they sold that. Oh, man. Huh. I think it would do, uh, of any place in Charlottesville and Almaro County, a Tesla sales office, that would be the spot. Yeah. That would be the spot. Vanessa Park Hill, Tesla and Stonefield works. I don't love the old Pier 1 location, though. Parking in that section is often tight already with folks going to Trader Joe's, L.L. Bean, and restaurants. That side of Stonefield, she's exactly right, is bananas. The That's Trader Joe's parking lot is bananas. That's fair, but you're also not going to have 50 people going... To the Tesla office at the same time. I right. Know. It could actually diminish the traffic there. Yeah. Although, I, isn't the Pier 1 closed? It is closed. We broke that news on the I'm, I Love Seville network. I haven't been in Stonefield in quite a while. Beth Mark says, in my opinion, put them near Burton's with parking behind. Hmm. She also says, traffic bottleneck passing old Pier 1. Yeah, she says the same thing Vanessa Parkhill is saying, the traffic at bottlenecks there by Pier 1 and Trader Joe's. Beth Mark, you've been really making the show great with your comments. I've noticed your contributions to Real Talk and to the I Love Seville show, Beth Mark, and they're appreciated and welcomed. You are a smart, smart person. Thank you, Beth Mark. And Vanessa says it's a great centralized location, that Pier 1 spot. Mm-hmm. Ginny Hu gives a shout out to Sean Tubbs for being the first media person willing to help her share info about our upcoming scouting showcase. And she says Pier 1 was decor, furniture, etc. Thank you, Ginny Hu. Yeah. Ginny, we should get Ginny Hu. Ginny Hu, we should get a... In fact, why don't you do this, J-Dubs? If you could do this, please. Ginny Hu on Twitter. DM her. Ginny Hu. 
at JinnyHu98. And let's see if we, if she's willing, she's willing to come on the program and see if we can pick her, uh, her, her beautiful brain that is full of uh, intellect and knowledge. David Varel, welcome to the program. Hello, DV. How are you, my friend? David Varel. Gave you some props to Dave Farfara the other day. Um, all right, a couple things that we're going to breeze through quickly. Um, because the Kyle Miller show is today at 2.15. Yeah. He's got a fantastic guest at 2.15 p.m. right here on this network, the Kyle Miller show. Um, Barracks Road has got a holiday parade. Crozet has got a holiday parade. Downtown is doing the holiday fun Christmas light up. There is significant competition for holiday festivities within a 300,000 person market that we call Charlottesville in Central Virginia. Significant competition. And that's to be expected because we're coming out of the, are we coming out of the pandemic or are we completely out of the pandemic? I'd say we're completely out, but some people are probably gonna get to, I say whatever I say on this program, some portion of the population gets pissed off at me about. I think it depends who you ask, but I think most people would agree that we're pretty much out of the pandemic. All right, uh, I say, can I say that? You're saying, you're saying I can say we're out of the pandemic. I would say we're out of the pandemic. I think we're out of the pandemic too. I think uh, now that we're out of the pandemic, the holiday competition is significant. With a few holdouts, most people have uh, set aside their their masks. And I don't, and I don't even care if folks wear masks. Oh, I don't care if they wear masks. The two people. I was at Atlas Coffee this morning, meeting a client and 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 a client's partner, and there were three other people in Atlas Coffee. One of them was sitting at the the coffee bar. Wearing a mask. I'm like, cool. No problem with that at all. Yeah. Got two, no beef. The two, peop the two women in front of me on the, my last flight back into Charlottesville were both wearing masks. Yeah. Who cares? I don't care if they wear masks. Care less. I'm highlighting that Barracks Road, and then we'll go to the next topic. We may save the college campuses and freedom of speech uh, till tomorrow. Um, this is very intriguing. This is from news.virginia.edu, UVA Today. Um, Glenn Youngkin, the governor, and nearly every college and university president in the Commonwealth gathered this past Tuesday at the University of Virginia to share ideas on how to support free speech on campuses, even when the ideas and words are controversial or a challenge to mainstream beliefs. I'm all for free speech on campuses. I am not, I am not, I am not in favor of when that speech crosses into hateful rhetoric, okay? The professors and or the student groups that utilize free speech to support terrorists, that is not cool. Definitely not. That is free speech going too far. We'll save that, for, that one for tomorrow because there's a lot to unpack. That's on UVA Today, which you can find online at news.virginia.edu. Um, in regards to the um, holiday story, there is a Barracks Road holiday parade on Saturday, December 9th. There's a Crozet Christmas parade on Sunday, December 3rd. The Charlottesville Grand Illumination is on Friday, December 1st. You got Winter Wonder at Borsad going through the new year. Stonefield is doing some kind, some kind of holiday festivities. 
it's significant competition in the holiday space. I'm glad to see that. Uh, I'm glad to see that a lot of people are uh, taking up the slack. Hey, there's Sean Tubbs right there. <clears throat> Sean Tubbs just walked by. Did you see him? Uh, not. <laughs> I saw his back. That was Sean. Sean just walked by. Sean, we were giving you some props. Um, that's why I like being here. It's the uh, it's the heartbeat where we're at. Um, I'm glad the holiday festivities are back. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, no doubt. Especially considering the uh, the lack of um, the lack of uh, first Friday this year, which is news you broke. Have you noticed that's not hit any other media outlet? I don't know if uh, they just don't want to acknowledge it or uh, if it's... Them not wanting to acknowledge it because we broke it first? Could be. All right, two other topics quickly. Kyle Miller show at 2.15. UVA basketball beat Texas A&M. That was a top 15 victory for UVA. They kept a high-scoring offense big time in check. This is a resume builder for the Wahoos come NCAA tournament time. Great win last night on national TV for Bennett's boys. They got Syracuse on Saturday. This is a topic I want to unpack as well. I'm hearing left and right from restaurant owners, friends of mine, either in person um, or, or in business settings or through DM, text, or email saying, Jerry, utilize your platform to put this out there that a local delivery service that offered better margins than the Grubhub and the Uber Eats would be even more well-received now than ever before. And they said, this delivery, um, how consumers want to eat their food in the comforts of their own home while streaming on their couch while eating our food is gone to levels that are here to stay and levels that are gaining more momentum. If some local entrepreneur or business person was able to figure this out, and folks have tried, Seville Hop on Tours did this, Andre Xavier, John Craig said this, did this during COVID. If they're able to get any kind of scale that a boatload of the restaurants would jump ship from the Uber Eats and the Grubhubs and go into a localized delivery service. They would need to... They would also need to offer very good driver rates, otherwise they wouldn't have anyone to deliver the That's food. That's the challenge. My response to many of the restaurant owners that have reached out to me would be, perhaps instead of the third-party service, you consider taking one of your staffers, your waiters, your front-of-the-house staff, and reimagine them, and reimagine them in a delivery type of capacity. Like maybe the 2024 waiter, the waiter of next year, the waiter of 2025, the year after, is not someone that goes to your table and says, can I take your order, please? Maybe the waiter of 2024 and the waiter of 2025 is someone that rings your doorbell and says, here's your food. The challenge there is what's your delivery area and... I would make you, it... Do you really only have one person? Because what about, what about you're going to have... I would make that delivery radius very slim. Yeah, but then you're, you're possibly... Alienating customers. Alienating customers, missing out on business. And even in a, even in a small area, if you, hit a, uh, if you hit a busy you know, dinner, dinner hour rush... Then you just have the same amount of waiters that you have. 
if you have one guy making deliveries, then you up your waiter. You up your your waiter take. What do you mean up your waiter take? Have more the twenty twenty five waiter is the delivery guy. Yeah. Maybe you got a delivery guy that's on a bike, a delivery guy that's on a scooter, delivery guy that's on a car, and you base those deliveries on uh, area radius. Like the one that's on the bike or the scooter has got the one mile with the restaurant. The one that's in the car has got the five miles from the restaurant. Just an idea. I'm hearing this, it's gaining momentum. And my response to them, because we're in the business of helping models um, uh, improve efficiency to maximize margin, um, my suggestion to them would be convert your staff and do it yourself and fatten your margin. Deep Throat says, if I were starting a local delivery service, I would run adverse uh, selection on the big guys, pick a narrow delivery area, only the easiest and most profitable, let people order from Grubhub for the other addresses. There, there you go. No, that, that's, that's a good one right there. Um, if I was doing it, I would have a limited radius around my restaurant. Limited radius. And I would say they're not opposed to having like uh, still a to-go spot in front of the restaurant where people that don't fall within that radius can go into the to-go spot, pick up their food and go. Convert the staff into delivery drivers and that's your waiter of 2024 and 2025. I think that would be a complicated juggling act for a lot of businesses, but it could work. Um, CCIP, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you kindly for joining us. All right, that's the show. The Kyle Miller shows up in 2.15. Judah Wickhauer, you did well today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Judah Wickhauer did very well today. Um, we have, coming up in December, representatives from the Lewis Mountain neighborhood. They've reached out to us to come on the program to talk about the apartment tower that a developer is trying to build at a bank footprint, the tourist bank, and how it could be impacting their quality of life. That's the I Love Seville show on a Thursday afternoon. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you tomorrow at 1230. So long, everybody. Mm -hmm.